Hi, this is Don McLean. You're watching Life Minute TV, and this is my new children's book, American Pie, A Fable, which you can get on Amazon. So this year marks the 50th birthday of iconic folk singer-songwriter Don McLean's American Pie. The legend stopped by the Life Minute Studios again, the first time since 2018, to chat all about it and more. This is a Life Minute with Don McLean. The, the two years of the pandemic, uh, I decided to do a whole lot of things that I've been wanting to do for forever. One of the big things I wanted to do was start to work on the trademark American Pie. I have trademarks of my own name, American Pie, Starry Starry Night, Bye Bye Miss American Pie, The Day the Music Died. And I have always believed that American Pie could be something like Microsoft or could be everywhere. And, and it is in a lot of places, you see. So I brought in a guy named Kurt Webster, who's a friend of mine. I said, why don't you start working on this? So we were looking at liquor deals and, you know, for whiskey and um, denim, you know, a whole line of denim clothing would be American Pie. And... Uh, then a man named Spencer Proffer came into the picture um, through our friends in Nashville. And he said, well, why don't we do a documentary movie and a children's book and a Broadway show? And so we spent a lot of time negotiating these agreements and there was a lot of legal stuff. And I have a degree in this finance, you know, and everything. So I kind of don't mind this. And I know how to cut to the chase and what to avoid and this and that. And they weren't that complicated. So uh, we have that in place. So now we have this wonderful children's book out. It's my story because I was only a paper boy. That's the only thing I ever did my whole life uh, in terms of having a real job. I was a paper boy. And uh, this is Donnie Boy. And it takes from, it, it was written by Judy Proffer, Spencer's wife. And, um, but with numerous interviews with me, you know, talking about this this person, you know, who I was in this environment that I grew up in in New Rochelle, New York. And uh, she came up with this wonderful idea. And uh, so there I am sitting on top of a whole stack of newspapers, you see. And uh, I was delivering these papers when I discovered that Buddy Holly uh, and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper and the young man who piloted the plane were all killed on February 3rd, 1959. And uh, so I delivered that paper and I was really, you know, as I grow older, I realized it was so much different than other kids because I was, came up differently. I was by myself a lot in the house. My parents were older and I discovered TV and radio and, you know, I was there at the, all of us who are my age would tell you that when, even when we were 10 years old, not everyone had a television. So, you know, you, you had a friend that had a TV and you'd go over and see a, you know, a Western or something or, you know, in a moment in history or Elvis Presley, you know, on the Sullivan Show. So it was still a community experience. They did not realize it would morph into this incredibly powerful and this is what Marshall McLuhan said, the medium is the message. You know, we didn't understand what that meant, but now, all these years later, you, you see what he was saying.
That's the story, is the medium, not whatever it transmits and how powerful it's become. So it's left publishing behind and it's left childhood behind. So one of the things I love about this is that a parent, if they want to give their child uh, a childhood, they should have these books, you know, Goodnight Moon and Polar Express and hopefully this one, but they can couple this with the song and they can have a, a two-fold experience uh, starting out because a lot of little children do like to hear American Pie when they go to sleep at night. McLean says the song relates to every part of his life. Every part of it now is being looked at very carefully. With these new projects, there will be a Broadway show. There is a called American Pie. Can't you see that? I mean, it's just begging to be done. And 15 or 20 of my songs in there. The movie uh, really is interesting because it covers the 10 years from this moment in 59 to the moment I wrote the song. So when I say for 10 years we've been on our own, I'm talking about myself. There's a bookazine, that's what I was thinking of, Bauer, Bauer Publishing came out with a bookazine that, you know, the story of American Pie and a picture of me on the cover with, with my banjo back in 1971, 50 years ago. And again, it covers my, my life because it's out of that strange suburban life that I had came this song, really, because I'm not, New Rochelle or Larchmont Woods, where I was born, really is not known for any kind of music or any kind of cultural um, contribution. It's a bedroom community in New York City. So I'm from there, and my particular approach to everything comes from growing up there in the middle of that rather stultifying upper middle class environment of achievers. You know, there's a tremendous amount of uh, discrimination against anybody who wasn't uh, normal and who didn't win, who wasn't a winner. And it was very white, very middle class, and there were a lot of winners. You know, they did a lot of very good things. So it's, it's uh, something to be said for that, I suppose, but I was not one of them. So I was on the outside, but still I had lots of friends and, you know, I was on a swimming team, I did all these things, but they knew I wasn't like they were. And slowly I, just like this story tells, I found the guitar and the guitar was like jet fuel. And it was the most amazing thing because at the moment I found the guitar and started playing, Kids everywhere were finding guitars and starting to play. For the first time, we were making our own music. You know, everything before then had been coming from the top down. You know, Frank Sinatra had the best studios, the best engineers, the best songwriters, uh, the best arrangers, he was the best singer. So they all went in and made the best records. It was all from the top down. Now you have people coming from the bottom up. People coming from Greenwich Village who 
nobody heard of, Dylan and Joni Mitchell, and, you know, early mid '60s, and then later on, stuff, guys like me and Jim Croce and Harry Chapin and people like that. But it was still coming from the bottom up, and uh, everything then, fashion, everything, was coming from the bottom up. When the Beatles were happening, the fashion was still coming from the top. The great, the designers, you know, Givenchy, and, and later on, Andy Warhol. Um, he was kind of from the bottom, I would say. And he, was, he was part of that. And then Hollywood, the same way. Everybody was making their own movies, Easy Rider and stuff like that. So it was a wonderful moment for me to be there with my guitar. And I was a good-looking young boy, and I was... I became a hell of a good guitar player and banjo player. I mean, I really, you go listen to an album called Solo. Yeah, I'm in front of 7,000 people at Royal Albert Hall, and I'm, you hear that guitar. I heard uh, Winter Has Me in Its Grip the other day. On, I hadn't heard it in, f in 50 years. Man, that's not bad, you know. You know, and I look at a guy like uh, Ed Sheeran, and I mean, I mean I'd be right, right on that guy's back if I were young now, learning everything that he knows how to do, and he knows a lot of things. He knows how to use social networking and social media, whatever you call it. But then there's the other side of it, which are the, you know, the, um, the Taylor Swifts, you know, who, who do magnificent videos and make these incredible records, and they dance, and they put on this incredible program, you know, with a lot of people on stage, and so there's two things kind of going on at once. You know, there's room for just the guy with the guitar, though, still. Speaking of Taylor Swift, her Taylor's version of All Too Well ended American Pie's record, 49-year record to be exact, of being the longest single to top the Billboard charts. But McLean isn't worried about that. Well, Liberace is really the king of, of rock and roll. He's really the king of show business. Because everything comes from Liberace now, pretty much, except Ed Sheeran. That kind of thing. We just have the lone guy with the guitar. And, uh, but mostly people want spectacle. And they get a lot for their money when they get that. If they go see uh, Taylor Swift or one of these girls or guys who do one of these kind of shows with the dancing and the set changes and the clothes and the million dollars to put the thing on, you know. Um, the stones are still the stones, but they dress it up you know, with screens and some, you know, extra stuff, but it's still just the music, bare bones. Same with the Beach Boys, the same thing. You can't get away from repertoire. And it's, when you have great repertoire, you can, you know, put the screens up and do a little of this and a little of that, but you don't need much. Repertoire is the key, really, to longevity. That's why I'm still around. My repertoire, my albums. I'm an album artist. I'm not a hit artist. I'm not a commercial artist. I've had some commercial success. And I've had other songs that I've written, like And I Love You So, that have been very commercial properties as a publishing uh, entity. I didn't have the hit, but many, many, many people have recorded this song and others that I've done. You know, repertoire is the reason that I'm around, and it's the reason why I look okay you know, in terms of looking back at other people's music. If you go back 50 years, you'd think, wow, I, I don't even want to hear that. But yet, 
you'd still put on American Pie or Vincent or Crossroads or Castles in the Air or something. You can't know how that's going to work out. Because people could go in the other direction. You, know, I mean, you don't know how they're going to go. But anyway, so that's the reason, is, is a repertoire. His repertoire has certainly withstood the test of time, but after the release of American Pie, McLean had his doubts about even continuing his music career. I was prepared to, to quit show business the next year because I knew this was going to destroy me. It was such a phenomenon and you couldn't follow it. So the one year everybody was, I was so popular in 1971 and 72 that if I went into a town, I was on the news that night. I was news everywhere I went. That was two years of that. And then they were waiting for that next record. It was called Don McLean. It had a song called Dreidel on it. And that song was all about what I was going through in terms of having instant, massive, Beatles-sized fame, which I don't think anybody can be prepared for. And at least they had four guys, you know, to absorb it and to make fun of it. But I had just me. So it was quite a struggle. And I did that whole album about it. If We Try, Bronco Bill's Lament, The Pride Parade these songs. Well, it wasn't successful, yeah, nearly as successful as American Pie had been. So at that point, the knives came out and Rolling Stone attempted to destroy me and uh, wrote a, a terrible review of the first three albums and tried to stop my career completely. It hurt. You know, Rolling Stone has had it out for me ever since, but they have it out for people routinely. I've heard many people uh, complain. In fact, at one point, Bob Dylan was, hated them. You know, they were always saying things about him. You know, and he just, come on, give me a break. So uh, I'm not that important, but they hurt me. And so I had to soldier on, you see. And then I did an album called Homeless Brother with a man named Joel Dorn. Had a little song named Wonderful Baby, which became number one on the easy listening charts. So I was still scoring a little. And that was one of my, I consider that album one of my masterpieces, A Homeless Brother. <coughs> and I love Joel very much. He's passed away now. And I kept on doing it. And then I, at the end of the 70s, I recorded with Larry Butler. And boom, I had three or four more hit records. Everybody in the singer-songwriter group had disappeared. They'd been killed. They'd been killed. Or they just weren't of interest to the public. And suddenly I came back from no place with Crying, which was number one. Best life advice from the guy who's lived it all? Jefferson has 10 rules. You look it up on, on, on Google at Jefferson's Rules, 10 of them. One is take life by the smooth handle. In other words, don't beat yourself up. Don't kill yourself. You know, take it easy. You know, don't worry too much because 99% of the things you worry about never happen. So I try to take that advice. If you want to hear this interview again and more interviews with other music greats, don't forget to check out and subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV, on iTunes and all streaming platforms.